Uh, we're in Hebrews 12 and verse 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 12. There's a number of people that have made an impact in my life, um, in my growing up years. Uh, of course, uh, my parents made a, made a huge impact in my life. But I can think of a youth director when I was a new Christian who kind of took me under his wing and um, invited me over to play ping pong, and you know we did did things together. And um, and then. Um, Others, uh, as I as I grew older, um, my first pastor I served with, and um, but there was a there was actually a lady in that church who was a retired pastor's wife who prayed for the pastors in the area, and uh, I think she probably had as much impact for the kingdom of God as uh, as maybe maybe several of the pastors combined because she was praying and things were happening specific things were happening. In, in many churches across several counties because she was praying for these individual people and she was just a great help to the, the church of God in general. And um, this kind of, of help to each other but also especially to the church or the kingdom of God is so critical and uh, we desperately need those folks. I, I remember, and I'll, bra I'll brag on Gary a little bit, uh, when Zach McGill used to be here, he left, and uh, he, he, was, he was calling me one day, and he said, man, he said, I wish I had a Gary Bruce at my church. He said, matter of fact, I wish I had 12 of them. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, apparently, Gary, you really helped uh, Brother Zach, so... <laughs> uh, but, you know, we all, we all need uh, the help of God at one time or another in our lives, don't we? We need people to pray for us, uh, encourage, uh, help in and, and different ways. And uh, in this scripture, we're going to uh, look at what the author of Hebrews and, of course, the, the Holy Spirit is telling us about how, as a body of believers, we can help each other. And uh, we desperately need to do that in this day and time. I think, I think Christians are having a tougher time in the United States of America than we've ever had. Um, and uh, I think that the opposition, is, as our country moves away from God, the opposition will just get stronger. We will need each other in the days ahead more than we've ever needed each other. And so um, the time of my message is how to help your church. And so look with me at verse 12, we'll read this scripture. It says, Therefore strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone in holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. And make sure there aren't any immoral or irreverent persons like Esau, who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought it with tears, because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. 
or a place for repentance. So how to help your church? How do we help the church? And how do you help this church and the church in general? Well, first of all, strengthen others. One thing that's worth mentioning is that these commands and these um, instructions are given in the plural. Sometimes the word you or uh, uh, these, these types of things are kind of obscured in the English and we can't tell whether they're talking about you singular or you plural. But here, these things are in the plural. So he's not just saying strengthen yourself, although that is something that we need to do. He's saying strengthen others. So uh, he's talking, he's still using this, this athletic metaphor, running your race and all of that. And he says, you need to strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees. The kind of the picture is that of when you're a couch potato. You know, you know what happens? I used to run when I was in high school and a little bit in college as well. And then uh, I took a hiatus from running for, for some time. And I remember a few years ago when I started trying to run again, it was awful. That's the only way I know how to describe it. It was just awful. And every step was a struggle and uh, breathing hard, uh, pain, uh, misery. Uh, why? Because I had allowed myself to get horribly out of shape. And um, we can do that spiritually. We can neglect our spiritual lives so that we begin to get slack-handed and weak-kneed. And um, he's saying, look, uh, it is so important that you do the spiritual rehabilitation that you need to do uh, to help yourself be the Christian that God has called you to be and to help others become the Christians they need to be. And so how do you do that? Well, one great way is through prayer. You can pray for others who are struggling. Uh, you can instruct, you can teach, you can, you can encourage. Uh, encouragement is one of the best ways that we can help as a body. We help each other uh, in, to be strengthened. You know, all of us at times will be struggling and just need that word of encouragement, and it is such a powerful thing. Uh, another thing you can do is serve or help in some area. Sometimes it provides encouragement just to see somebody else take up the reins with you, right? And, uh, and, and commit to serving in some area in the church. And so uh, God can lead you in that, and you can even pray, Lord, would you put somebody on my heart in this church that I can pray for and that I can help and, and, and just lead me in how to do that and help me be a source of strength and encouragement uh, to, to someone else in this body. Um, God may send you somebody specifically uh, who needs your help because he wants to use you in that person's life. So, uh, so important. So, um, how to help your church strengthen others. Uh, secondly, pursue peace. If you look at verse 14, pursue peace with everyone. Pursue peace with everyone. Um, this is a great help to any church. 
Peacemakers are the children of God and bless them, hallelujah, <laughs> for those who seek and pursue peace. You may have known some people in your life that love conflict. Uh, th- that's not good in a church when, when people love conflict. So you can pursue peace, and, and there's different ways we do that. Um, one way is just simply by being close to the Lord. Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? So being peaceful, peaceable uh, in your relationships with others is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Another way we can pursue peace with others is to make relationships right. Uh, If you work closely with somebody, there's a good chance that at some point you will offend somebody. I remember... um, listening to Paul Powell uh, speak to a group of preachers one time. and He said, if you're a pastor, you've got to learn how to eat crow served up a bunch of different ways. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was funny. He kind of went on about it. And, uh, and it is true. You've you got to learn, if you're working with people, you've got to learn how to apologize. You've got to learn how to humble yourself with other people. Uh, but that's true not just to pastors, but with anybody. If you are working with other people uh you know you know we know this even in our uh marriages at times one of us will say one thing and the other one hears something else right and uh that causes an issue and so you know you've got to to learn how to to mend those relationships and jesus said it was so important that if you're going to worship it would be better if you just sit down your gift and go make up with that person that's at odds with you before you come to worship. Get it done quickly. Take care of it because it is absolutely critical. Peace in a body of believers affects so many things. If there is conflict in a church, I guarantee you the Spirit of God is going to be quenched. Uh, You walk into a church. Have you ever done this maybe? Uh, I have. You walk into the church... And just you could just tell, I don't feel the presence of God here. It just seems like there's tension. It seems like there's something wrong. I don't know what it is because I'm a visitor and I have known nothing about this church. But there's something wrong here. And you can just sense it. Uh, God doesn't move in power. Now, he sometimes moves in spite of us. Praise God for that's the case. Uh, to give us hope. But... Uh, Generally speaking, God doesn't work when the Spirit of God is being quenched. Here's another thing that happens when there's no peace. People tend to get inwardly focused rather than outwardly focused, right? Our concerns, our thoughts, our focus, how do we deal with these problems in the church? And what is our focus not on? How do we reach a lost world? You see, we've gotten distracted. And so... Peace in the church is, then peace in the church also prevents people, at least prevents them for a good reason, (laughs) from being disillusioned with the church. How many times have you heard people say, well, you know, I don't go to church anymore because, maybe they say, I I, I went to your church, okay? (laughs) Uh, I remember uh, one church I pastored, wasn't this one, one church I pastored, I had gone to see this young man. He was actually a, uh, a former deacon's son. Um, 
But I had gone to see him several times. I was trying to win him to Christ. And finally, he just, I guess he was tired of me coming around. <laughs> and he said, uh, he shook his head and said, you know, he said, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to you. He said, I, I know that you're the pastor where my dad attends. And he said, uh, he said but I got to be honest with you. I, I'll never come to your church. And here's why. And he began to tell me what he'd seen a deacon do. And another deacon went to get drunk in another county. And this young man happened to be there and saw him. And, uh, you know, and he said, he said, I won't, yeah. Now, you can say, well, that's his excuse, and, and, and probably it is. But here's the thing. Uh, people look at what happens in a local church, and the devil will use it to keep them out. And so it's so, so critical. Now, it's not peace at any price. We still, we still have to, and we'll talk about uh, sin here in a moment, but uh, you, you still have to confront sin. You still have to, to do what's right. You still have to stand for the truth and these kinds of things. But peace is so important. So if you want to help your church, um, strengthen others, pursue peace. Thirdly, grow in holiness. He said pursue peace uh, with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. We kind of talked about that this morning, didn't we? Obedience is a doorway that opens up uh, a new level of relationship with the Lord and, and joy and all of those things. Uh, we don't see the Lord. We don't fellowship with the Lord. We don't interact with the Lord in the same way until we obey. Well, holiness is that, that, that process uh, or that condition of being set aside uh, and set apart from this world because we bear the character of our great Savior. That's what holiness is. And so we're to, to pursue that in our lives, to pursue the character of Christ, to grow in our walk with Christ. And it is such a critical thing that we do that. And when a person does that, they become a source of blessing to others within the church. The Bible says in Proverbs that the words of the, of the righteous are a fountain of life. To those around them. Uh, have you ever known anybody like that? You, you come to church and you just love to be around them. Because they're just so full of Jesus. That it just encourages you to be around them. <laughs> and uh, I, I've known a number of people over the years like that. And uh, what a joy. They're just like. Uh, just gushing forth blessing wherever they go. You know. <laughs> it's uh, such a blessing to the church. And so holiness solves a whole lot of problems. It. It, it sets a person uh, uh, up to be an example to others of what godly character should be. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, when you become like Christ, you can say something like that. Uh, more often, people are saying, uh, Johnny, don't do what I do. Do what I say, right? <laughs> and so, uh, holiness gives that example that is so powerful. I mean, we've had, a, we've had several people in our church we've done funerals for, and, and, and they touched so many lives because they were just holy people. And oftentimes they were quiet, they were in the background, but they touched lives. Why? Because the mark of Jesus Christ and his character was stamped upon their lives, and uh, they were a source of blessing to other people. So, so important. So, um, if you want to help your church, um, strengthen others, pursue peace, grow in holiness, Promote grace. Uh, verse 15 says, Make sure that no one falls short of the grace 
of God. <clears throat> now, obviously, we need to uh, promote grace by telling people about Jesus and leading them to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the best thing we could ever do for another human being. But also promote grace in the sense of the grace of God is that power that God gives his people to do his will. He says, look, you need to look and observe. My translation says, uh, make sure. But literally, the word is the same word. It's the verb form of the word overseer that's used of pastors. The idea is that we're looking over the body of Christ and we're looking for that person who is lacking in the grace of God. They, they're, they're struggling. They are, they are going through a hard time. They are, are wrestling in their Christian walk and uh, really need encouragement. And so we promote that grace of God in their life by just encouraging them to hang in there, to call on Jesus' name, and by praying for them and, and, uh, and, and reminding them that Jesus is enough. Um, uh, all things are possible with God. That's a scripture verse that has blessed me so many times when I've been struggling. Uh, but God may, the Holy Spirit may lay upon your heart to say something encouraging to that person who's struggling, who needs God's grace, or to intercede for that person, or to maybe take them to lunch and, and talk with them and listen to them and uh, see what they're struggling with. But it's so important to promote the grace of God. Um, Listen, we're not in this by ourselves. Praise God. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't handle things without the Lord. I, I tell you that right now. I want God's grace in my life, but I want to promote it. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to promote it in my family. I want to promote it in this church because when God steps in and helps, it's completely different. Uh, Jesus speaks one word to the winds and the waves, and they become still. Jesus uh, commands the demons. We, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. He says, go, and boom, there go, uh, and everything changes. And so Jesus has this power, and when the grace of his power comes into our lives, it makes a profound difference. So be aware of those people. Ask God to help you notice when people are struggling, so that you can encourage and, and pray and promote that grace in their lives. Uh, <clears throat> next, verse 15, uh, confront sin. If you look in verse 15, it says, Make sure that no one falls short of the, of the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. No root that causes bitterness. You could translate it that way. Um, the idea is that there is someone who is troubling the church, bringing trouble to the church, and defiling the church with sin. Um, <clears throat> we need to confront sin. Now, if you tend to be self-righteous and always looking down your nose at other people, you're not the one to do this, okay? <laughs> this needs to be a person who has enough sense to recognize when you point the finger at somebody else, you've got three sticking back at yourself, right? Uh, all of us are sinners. 
But uh, sometimes sin needs to be confronted for the sake of the body. Uh, whenever, whenever there is sin, and it can be different kinds of sin. It may be immorality that needs to be addressed. Um, it may be, um, it, you know, I, I've seen the fallout of immorality and how it begins to affect so many different people within the church. Uh, it truly is a, a negative thing. Um, I've seen people with a divisive spirit. There was one guy in one church I pastored, trouble followed him wherever he went. Uh, he was constantly the source of, of anger and division and trouble in the church. And I remember coming across his scripture and thinking, man, this is, this is exactly what he's doing. He has sprung up in this church. He is causing bitterness. He is causing trouble. And he's defiling many. We had people leave the church because of him. We had people, people that left the church and didn't go to another church. They just were not going anywhere. And it was all because of his unkind, divisive spirit. Um, sometimes you just got to confront it. And uh, in his case, I did talk to him. I confronted him. And I said, I think you need to apologize to so-and-so. And I, I told him about the situation. I said, this is, this is not good for our church. And, and he told me he wouldn't do it. He refused, he refused to take steps to mend that relationship. And sometimes you may confront sin, the person may not respond. But guess what? There's a process we can go through. Matthew 18 has told us about that, where you bring things. Well, in that case, I was, I was the leader of the church and I was going to him. Uh, Paul said, you know, uh, Jesus said, if, if they don't respond to that, uh, uh, consider them as a tax collector uh, or a, an unbeliever. Um, Paul said the, the, the heretic or the troublemaker after the first and second admonition rejects. But see, God is able to take care of those issues of sin when we try to deal with it and uh, the person is unresponsive. And so um, <clears throat> God did deal with that, which is another story, but um, confronting sin is so important. Now let me say this. Confronting sin doesn't just apply to the laity. It applies to pastors, to staff. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this, it probably is not promoted a whole lot by pastors, but the Bible says you've got to have two witnesses to bring an accusation against a pastor, but it says if there is uh, evidence, if those two witnesses are present, he's to be rebuked publicly so that others will take warning. So how about that? All right, here's something else. Uh, when you talk about confronting sin, um, sometimes in the church, in the name of authority, people will, will try to manipulate others or will try to take advantage of others uh, or will act wickedly and expect others to overlook what they're doing because they're in a position of authority. There, some, I'm sure many of you have seen in, in the paper about some of the stuff that's come out about people in Southern Baptist life. I'm still trying to process all the information, but I'll tell you this, if, if Christian leaders sin, they need to be called out. They need to be held accountable. And uh, in no way should the church ever overlook the wickedness of an individual just because of the position they're in. 
it should be confronted. It should be done so in love, but it should be confronted. So uh, that's very important. So sometimes the greatest help you can do is by confronting sin and dealing with it. And, and in the best case scenario, and I have seen God do this. I have confronted people. I don't publicize that when I go to somebody privately. But uh, I have con- confronted people at times, and I have seen God bring a genuine repentance. What a wonderful thing. When, when somebody is re- repents and they don't go down this horrible path that would destroy their life and destroy others around them, uh, what an incredible blessing that is. So uh, if you want to help your church confront sin, just do it humbly, respectfully, after prayer, uh, and uh, with a spirit of love. And so, um, so if you want to help the church uh, strengthen others, pursue peace, grow in holiness, promote grace, confront sin, fulfill God's purpose. He's saying, uh, verse 16, make sure there aren't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. What's the problem with Esau? Esau did not value the things of God. He just simply didn't. Um, <clears throat> you look at Esau's life, you, you don't see those accounts of, of his conversations with God. The scripture is silent about any kind of relationship with God for him, and, and you see that in Jacob's life. And I, I've told you before, when I read the book of Genesis, I don't much like Jacob. But at least Jacob valued the things of God. Esau had no such concern. He came in from hunting, and uh, he was hungry, and he was tired, and uh, Jacob, being the conniving two-faced brother that he was, uh, said, uh, sell me your birthright, and I'll give you some food. And he said, well, what's my birthright of use to, to me now? I'm about to die. I'm so hungry. Give me some stew. Give me some of those littles over there, you know. And uh, Jacob uh, does. And, of course, Esau eats and is filled. And, and the, the Hebrew is incredibly brief. It says he ate, he rose up, he went out. You know, it's like boom, 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 boom. He didn't think a thing about it. He just sold his birthright. He was the son of a patriarch, and, and he didn't care. So <clears throat> this, this idea of, of not caring and not valuing the things of God, um, we need to value the purpose that God has for our lives. It is incredibly important. And to fulfill that purpose. And so many churches suffer because people do not fulfill the purpose God has given them to fulfill. And it can be in a variety of ways. It may be in using their, their gifts and serving. It may be in encouragement. It may be in their presence. You know, just not being there to, to interact with and encourage others. Uh, it could be in giving. They don't fulfill what God's told them to do in giving. And, and the church suffers in that way. Uh, it could be in a host of, of, of areas, but the point is, to fulfill God's purpose, you need to be, first of all, surrendered and willing. 
and to value and recognize the importance of what God is doing in your life, but also through your life to bless other people. It's so important. What would happen? I, I heard years ago, uh, Billy Graham uh, had done, done a study and others had done studies that about 20% of the people in the church, generally speaking, in America, do 80% of the work, 80% of the giving, um, 80% of, of missions and all of these other things, 20%. So we're working on 20% capacity. What if your car was 20% efficient? And, and on the interstate, you could, I don't know exactly, I'm going to have to start doing math, and I probably shouldn't go there. But anyway, you'd be going quite a bit slower on the interstate, right? If your car was only working at 20% efficiency. Uh, you'd get somewhere a lot slower than you would have if you had 100% efficient efficiency. And so, um, fulfill your purpose. That is one of the greatest ways. And you may have serving gifts, do, act. Uh, you may have uh, administrative gifts, organize. You may have leadership gifts, lead. Uh, whatever the case may be, fulfill the purpose God has given you to fulfill, and you will help the church. Amen. I'll amen myself on that one. All right. <laughs> um, so if you want to help the church, uh, strengthen others, pursue peace, grow in holiness, promote grace, confront sin, fulfill God's purpose, and finally, beware of the deadline. This is so important. He's still talking about Esau. Look at verse 17. He says, for you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought it with tears, because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. Literally, he didn't, fi he didn't find a place of repentance. One that he didn't have the opportunity, he just was unwilling to repent. So, this scripture verse tells us what's happening in the background. You say, well... Rebecca, how could Rebecca do this uh, to her family and suggest that Jacob steal the blessing from Esau? How could Jacob deceive his father, Isaac? He's blind. I mean, come on. How could he do that? No, behind this was the purpose of God. Esau had passed God's deadline. Yeah, was it sinful, what, what Rebecca and Jacob were doing? Sure. God could have given him the blessing another way. Uh, but Esau had crossed God's deadline. He went so long in devaluing and taking for granted the things of God and not caring about the things of God, God finally said, okay, you've passed the deadline. You're not getting the blessing. And God did not give him the ability to repent. I believe that's the sin. The unpardonable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus. But I think that's, that is the culmination of a process whereby we resist God, we resist God, we resist God, we resist God. Or in Esau's case, you're just apathetic to the things of God for so long that you've crossed God's deadline. And God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And the Holy Spirit of God backs off. And once that happens, you cannot repent. Because the Bible says no one can come to him unless 
the Father or the Spirit draws him. So once God moves back, once the deadline is crossed, it's done. Now you say, well, how does that help the church to remember the deadline? Well, it helps because as we observe in the lives of others what's going on, it should give us an urgency. As we pray for them, as we encourage them, as we um, do what we can to reach them. Why? Because the time is limited. We don't know when that deadline will be crossed. You see, Esau weeping, not because he didn't have uh, a relationship with God, not because he wasn't close to God, but because he's not receiving the blessings. You know, a lot of people in the world, they want the blessings of God. They just don't want God. And that was Esau's problem. He's weeping over the blessings, but he, he, he doesn't realize the truest and greatest blessing is God himself. Lot leaves Abraham to go to the plain where Sodom and Gomorrah were. It was lush. It was well watered. It, it looked great. It looked beautiful. And... Uh, God tells Abraham after Lot leaves, he says, Abraham, don't you worry about Lot taking the better land. He says, I am your exceeding great reward. You see, everything we have in this life is going to burn up. Only what we do for Christ, only what we give in the name of Jesus, only uh, our relationship with God lasts beyond this life. He is truly the greatest blessing that we could have. Esau missed the picture. He had, his parents were patriarchs. His grandfather was Abraham. And he missed it. That's sobering. I, that kind of scares me, honestly. I'll be honest with you. This is why the body of Christ is so important. You got that, that teenager sitting in the pew or that child. Uh, listen, God working in these kids' lives is no accident. It's serious business. What about, the, what about that person who's been coming for years who's never given their heart to Christ? Uh these things are sobering things to me. And God in his grace sometimes will save somebody at the last hour. But I want to tell you something. We need to pray that they'll be saved quickly because we're not assured of, the, of when a person may cross God's deadline. So if you want to help your church, remember that deadline and, uh, and be interceding and encouraging others. In the body of Christ. Ultimately, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. So we don't have to make somebody. We can't anyway. We, we can't make somebody trust Christ. We can't change somebody's heart. But we can pray and we can encourage. And we can trust Christ to work. And, um, and so uh, we can be an instrument in his hand. So uh, if you want to help your church strengthen others. Pursue peace. Grow in holiness. Promote grace. Confront sin. Fulfill God's purpose. And beware of the deadline. 
and you will greatly help the church of God. And so uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us instruction on how to help your church. Help us fulfill these things, God. Sometimes uh, situations are not easy to interpret, and what, what our role and what our responsibility is in a certain situation may not be clear all the time. But God, give us your wisdom. Guide us with your spirit. Help us uh, as we interact with others to be a source of life and blessing. Uh, and help us intercede for one another and help in whatever ways you'd have us to help so that we can make a difference in, in, in the lives of other people as your people. And Father, if there's anyone here tonight who's unsaved, Father, I pray that they would repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ before it's too late.